last week, I was listening to a woman talk about her experiences in Narcotics Anonymous. She said that she had been given the gift of desperation, which allowed her to lay everything in her life down and look for the life she really wanted to live, the life worth living. I think that's a good thing to talk about in Lent. Today we are nearly halfway through Lent, this season in the life of the church when we search our souls for the place we can meet the risen Christ at Easter. Now is the time of the ultimate paradox of our lives, that Jesus lived the life worth dying for in order that we might have the chance to live the life worth living. Sometimes when we compare ourselves and our lives to the life of Christ, when we contemplate what relationship we bear to Christ, we're often consumed by guilt at the discrepancy we find in that comparison. We express that guilt and shame in various ways to be sure, but during Lent, we are sometimes tempted to invent ways to suffer so that we might feel better, as if we too were called to be crucified. Perhaps we look for ways to deprive and mortify ourselves as if life contained no other pain, no other injustice, no other suffering already. This way of approaching Lent, in which we have to invent things to suffer about, proceeds from the idea that we should earn the grace of Easter, that the great mercy of God comes only to those who live virtuously and suffer plentifully. Fortunately, as we heard in Exodus this morning, very briefly, the mercy of God comes before we are expected to live the good life. First mercy, then the godly life. The reading is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is the story of the gift of desperation then. In mercy, God led the tribes of Israel from slavery and dispossession to freedom, and then also in mercy, God gave them a way to live the good and godly life. The commandments. The commandments are ways of keeping a community together in justice and peace. They are not the torturous, obsessive set of laws they would become in the time of Jesus. The commandments then were the way to the life worth living for the people of God who were so desperate for any life of their own. And as I listened to that speaker earlier this week, she went on to say that after she was given the gift of desperation, she settled into the 12 spiritual rules and the 12 steps of her NA group. This then is apparently the human experience that into our brokenness, the mercy of God brings order. Living the orderly life helps us. Thus the psalm says, the law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. Living this life helps us tame that which separates us from each other and from God, helping us turn to other things, those things which make life worth it. When we live the ordered life, centered around the divinity of which we are made. As is true for all institutions, however, the, the commandments were elaborated and reinterpreted for centuries 
until they had become not a way to keep everybody together in harmony with God at the center, but a way to keep certain people in and all the rest of the world out. This is typical of all institutionalization, that original meanings are lost over time without constant re-examination. If you think about the way this country was started, for example, as a group of criminals, revolutionaries, and religious dissidents, who, after a great deal of struggle, agreed on a way of living together, the current debate on immigration takes on a certain hypocrisy, does it not? Institutions, like churches and countries, drift. Beautiful ideas become ways over time of supporting power differentials and exclusionary practices. And so it was that by the time Jesus arrived at the temple, the practices there were not so much about living together in harmony anymore. Priestly practices of ritual sacrifice had become ways of making priests rich. Annas and Caiaphas, for instance, are said to have been millionaires. The interpretation of the commandments had drifted far away from those basic rules of order which brought eyes, light to the eyes of the long lost tribes all those centuries ago. John the Gospeler depicts Jesus as having a rageful reaction to what he encounters, one which most surely will provoke the wrath of the high priest. John, you will remember, starts his gospel by talking about Jesus as the light who shines through the darkness, the light who comes into the world and the world does not recognize it. Because for John, the victory of Jesus is the result of his refusal to submit to the oppression of the institutionalized church and to Rome. The message is that the resurrected Jesus is the place where we will meet God, not in the institutions of power. We are encouraged in Lent to look again at those things which hold us captive in the dark, at those things which may once had meaning for us but are now habitual and burdensome, the force of those parts of our lives to which we are enslaved, so to speak, prevents us from seeing the light in the darkness. We don't live the life worth living. We live the life we find ourselves in. Religious authorities in the time of Jesus could not recognize the presence of his divinity in front of them despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary because they couldn't let go of their habitual ways of thinking and acting. <clears throat> their identities were centered around their power and prestige they could not risk that loss. So the invitation to us here is to look at our lives and find those places where we are so dark and so insecure that we're not able to recognize joy. We are asked to seek out those old stiff places in our hearts, those places in our lives which we have become rigid, either because we're too frightened of letting go or because we're convinced that we know what's best and to allow the mercy of God to enter in. The good news of this gospel is that Jesus is the place where we will meet God now and Jesus comes to the doubting, the frightened, the surprised, and the unsuspecting. It takes courage to feel the gift of desperation. It takes practice to see the places where we are so dark we can't even imagine anything new and helpful. But when we do, when we feel that first flicker of doubt, 
of wishing that things could be different and better, we are on our way to the resurrection. When we are willing to take all our desperate hoping and wishing and break our hearts open, open to the surprise and awe that comes with grace, then we will meet the risen Christ. And at that moment, we will find ourselves in the kingdom of heaven. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.